The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Where the maker of the heavens and the earth meets with his creation. Praise the Lord. In the Old Testament, it was the place that was erected by a priest or as someone that uh, had had an encounter with God at that place. He will erect an altar say, I erect this altar to the Lord. And usually they give it a name. Uh, the Lord will provide. In the case of Abraham, when God provided the ram instead of his son. Um, so um, Abraham built an altar at that point um, to the Lord. So it's possible that, you know, that kind of altar can exist. Altar um, as a memorial to what God has done. For churches, um, it could be, most times it is a raised platform in front of the church. That's what we know as the altar. For example, where I'm standing, if you walk somebody were to come in here, it will refer to this point as the altar. That's the physical structure called the altar. And um, then we also talked about in the New uh, Testament dispensation, where our bodies are now the temple of God, uh, the altar of that temple is our heart. We're made to understand that, that the altar is a temple of, um, of um, is the, the altar is the, is the, our heart really is the altar of that temple. And of course, we were told that um, because man's heart is the altar, that the state of the heart is very important in our walk with God. So, well, um, Pastor also mentioned that there's the need for us to have a family altar, a family altar where we'll gather together as a family to meet with God. This does not um, negate the need for you to have your personal altar, your personal time when you meet uh, with God. It talked about us being altar builders, the need for us to be altar builders, building altars. It talked about, you know, major factors in building an altar. It talked about faith. It talked about sacrifice. They said faith, that it was being possible for us to please God without faith. That's what the Bible tells us. And in the case of sacrifice, it said that our sacrifice, sacrifice is more than a gift. Sacrifice is hotter than a gift. And he talked about, he mentioned the story of David when Onan said to him, oh, you want to sacrifice the Lord? Oh, take this. Don't worry about it. Just take it. And David said, no, I will not give God something that has cost me nothing. So a sacrifice must cost you something. Praise the Lord. And God, we mentioned that there were four values of the altar at the time. And said, one is the place of alignment. This is where you get a redirection. Maybe you've been going this way. Going to this way, you say, I'm going to Ekwe. Whereas this is the road to Ekwe. You want to go to your destiny, but you're facing the wrong direction. The place of alignment is where those things fall into place. Where there is a redirection so that you, to ensure that you get to your destiny. He talked about the Vanavalivus altar being the place of memorial. The place where you remember those things that you need to remember. And then you forget those things that you do not need to remember. Forget them. He talked about the place of spirituality. Spirituality where we die to ourselves. It is not about me, 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 me. It is about God. Where God takes over. And when he takes over, there are questions that he will ask you. Certain questions were posed last week. What am I doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? All those kind of questions. We talked about, is there somebody I need to forgive? 
Is that something that God wants me to do? Or is there a habit I'm into right now? Even though it may seem harmless, I actually need to do away with it. Those are the kind of questions that we ask. And then finally, he said, one of the values of the altar is the, is the place of gratitude. A place where you go to express your gratitude to God. That gratitude starts from the heart, but if you don't express it, it's useless. You know, it's useless. You need to express it for it to become effective, for it to be complete. Praise the Lord. So I will encourage you, if you were not here last week, and uh, I will ask that you, you know, check with the folks at the back there. At the bookstand, they have the CDs for last week's service. Or you can download it, as was mentioned, um, during the 100 Second News from the iTunes store. It's there. Just download it. And so you can go through it again because it ties in with what we'll be looking at this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask Lord Almighty that your Holy Spirit will speak to each and every one of us. That Lord will open our hearts, O God, to be receptive, O God, to your word. And that your word will profit us today, Lord. That the word, O God, will take us higher in our walk with you, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, Lord, I ask, let me decrease, but let Jesus increase to the glory of your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, I'll be looking at the new dispensation, the heart, our heart as the altar of God. It's what, what I have titled as altar, state of our hearts. Altar, state of our hearts. We'll be looking at how we can make our heart ready. If that heart is the altar, is the meeting place that God has now chosen and not a physical structure, how can we keep that place ready and useful for our meeting with God? How can it make it attractive for God to want to come and meet with us in that place? I want us to open our Bibles to Proverbs 4, verse 23. We'll be looking at what the heart is. And also, briefly touching on the building factors of that altar. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Okay, I believe it's on God. Proverbs 4, verse 23. I'll read the New King James. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Amen? The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. That is so important, very key. It tells us that the, the heart is the key to our existence, to our survival. If the heart doesn't function properly, then you really have a major problem. Then every other thing in your life will not move according to how it is designed to. It is key in our relationship with our creator, our work with God, and inevitably our work for God is significantly dependent on the state of our hearts. Dependent on the state of our hearts. Because what we are doing is a heart work. It is not a mouth talk. It is not a show work. It is a heart. That heart is very important. And so because the heart... As the altar that we now have to meet with God, we need to say, how then is our heart? How is man's heart? How is man's heart? Let's hear what God says, because when we want to find out, the heart was created by God. So if you want to find out about the heart, 
the best place you can go to is to the maker, the one that created that heart. Now let's look at what it says concerning man's heart in Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. It's not on the board. I believe everyone is here with the Bible. Please just open it. I want us to see it. Okay, it's on the board. God says in Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? It even asks us a question. Who really knows how bad it is? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? The Amplified Version says, And it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. What a description. That is, this is your heart that you say, if somebody were asked you, you say, how is your heart? You would say, oh, it's good. My heart is good. You know, my heart is good. But here, this is what the maker of the heart says about the heart of man. It uses such such words, frightening words. When I read it, I'm like, wow. This is, this is something else. It says it's exceedingly perverse. Not just perverse. Exceed, qualifies the perverseness. Exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely and mortally sick. Mortally means that it can die. Right? If I know my English very well. It can die. Mortally sick. It can actually die. That is frightening. And this is the same heart that is not supposed to be the altar, our meeting place with God. So for that heart to be useful as an altar, with the way it is, it cannot be useful. For it to be useful, some things need to be done. We need to do some things about it. So the true condition of our heart is then something we need to work on. Because God is holy. And he will not dwell in an unholy place. If the heart is this way, then we can be sure that God will not want to meet us there. It will not be a meeting place suitable for a holy God. So for us to do so, we need to do some things. Just as the way we will clean the altar, this physical altar this that we have here, which is supposed to be like the, um, uh, the most um, significant place in a temple, that's why we pay attention to it. We sweep it, we clean it, um, we decorate it. Um, depending on your purse, you can put a carpet, uh, you can put choice furniture, you can put flowers. The flowers can be, well, fresh flowers, artificial flowers. All of that is geared towards making the altar what? Beautiful. That's how it is, the physical one. In the same way, we need to work on our hearts, our heart that is the altar, and make it clean and receptive and beautiful. A place where a holy God will want to come and dwell. When you look at it, say, I'm looking for that heart. That heart that is good. That heart that is ready. He will point to our heart and say, this one is ready. This one is clean. They have cleaned it. Because the natural man, the heart of the natural man is wicked. It is corrupt. It is perverse. But this one now has been cleaned. Has been cleaned. Now, how do we do that? How do we then beautify our own heart? We know how to do the physical one. But what about ours? First, we have to cleanse our heart daily. 
We have to cleanse our hearts daily. It's very important. Just as somebody will not say, oh, we swept the altar last, yesterday, but um, today, it's okay, we swept it yesterday. Somebody else still comes and sweeps it to be sure that it is really and truly clean. We have to cleanse our hearts. We have to purge it of those things that does not glorify God. Anything that will not submit to the Lordship of Christ has to find its way out of that of our heart for it to be ready as a meeting place with the Most High God. What are those things? Just examples of the things that we need to get rid of. Anger, malice, strife, lustful thoughts. Those things that you don't want another person to know. Unbelief, doubt, revenge. You did this to me, I must have my own back. All those are the kind of things. Fornication, adultery, telling lies. Small, small, they say it's white lie. Telling lies, giving bribes, they are all these things that will, should not find its way. God will not entertain them in our hearts so that our hearts can be useful as an altar for God. You see, God is very particular about the altar, about where he meets with us. In the, in the Old Testament... God gave strict instructions to Ezekiel about how you should make the altar. We see that in Ezekiel chapter 43. I, I won't read it, but please note it down. Ezekiel 43, verses 13 to 17. God was giving Ezekiel exact measurements for the construction of the altar. He said, this one should be 24 feet. That one should be 7 feet high. The next one to you should be 7 feet high. And after that, you should be so many feet wide. He gave specific instruction. Why? He could have just said, build an altar. He could have so said so. But God is particular. He's particular about it. He told him, he said, build this altar and it should be to this specification. And when he finished, he said to, he gave him instructions on how to cleanse and sanctify that altar. It was not just enough to build. It's not just enough that in your heart, you don't have any bad things in it. But then you have to fill it. You have to make it, you have to make it ready such that God will say, this place is suitable for me. And it goes, he gave him instructions on how to cleanse and purify and sanctify that altar. It said it was only after these things have been done that you could bring the sacrifice because the altar was the place where they were bringing sacrifices. He said, don't bring that sacrifice until you have met these conditions. That's it. He gave him those ones, and Ezekiel knew what they were. It was only after that that the altar was, was, uh, could be said to be ready, and a sacrifice could then be offered on it. Praise the Lord. To clean our hearts, first we need to ask God to circumcise our hearts. We need to ask God to circumcise our hearts. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. It says, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. That you may live. That's Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6. To circumcise, what does it mean? To circumcise means to remove the stubbornness of our hearts. To remove the stubbornness of our heart. The things that are rebelling. Rebelling and preventing us to live in that way, in the holy way, to live a righteous life. We need to ask God to circumcise our hearts, to remove those things, remove every vestige of stubbornness. Remove those things which are not allowing us to live the way we should live. Next, we invite the Holy Spirit. We ask him to come and beam his searchlight into our hearts. And expose those hidden sins. See, 
David knew about it. He knew that it's possible for you to say everything is okay, but then there are some hidden things in you. He said in Psalm 19, Psalm 19 verse 12, Psalm 19 verse 12. He said, how can I know all the sins locking in my heart? How? How can I know all the sins locking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. It means that it's possible for you to confess some. And then there are some still hiding there. They have not showed reared their heads yet. So you don't even know. I'll use an example. If you are someone, you say, oh, you know, I'm always happy for everybody. I'm happy when good things happen to them. In my office, when people get promoted, I'm happy I celebrate with them. I'm very happy. I'm happy for them. I know that God will do my own too. I'm very happy. I'm very happy for them. And then one day, there's a reshuffling in your office. And then they, they bring one very young boy, one small boy, to be your boss. And then you kick. I never thought that you had rebellion in you. Because you are kicking against constituted authority. Period. Your employer says, this is your boss. You are saying, which small boy? Since when? How can, does he know what I know? But you never thought that you could react that way. You've been, always been happy for everybody. That young man has also gotten a promotion. And you say you are happy about everybody's promotion. But now you are kicking. You see, that rebellion did not just suddenly appear. It was there all along. Hidden somewhere in your heart. Waiting for the right scenario to present itself. That's why it's important for us to ask, Holy Spirit, search my heart. Search it thoroughly. Show me those hidden things, those sins. Hidden faults in me. I may think that I have everything okay now. But you know, there might be some things that I don't know. The psalmist says, search me, O Lord. Search me. It's important for us to ask the Holy Spirit to search us. Praise the Lord. The next thing we need, we need the word of God. We need the word of God. You clean it daily. You clean your heart daily by reading, by studying the word of God. By meditating on it, meditating on the word of God. The psalmist says in Psalm 119 verse 11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It is the word of God constantly dwelling in you that will help us in situations that I've mentioned like that. It is the word of God that you draw upon when sin comes. You defeat it by the word of God, not by your strength. This is not possible. And then you invite the Holy Spirit to come and take his rightful place in your heart. Because by our own effort, honestly, we cannot live a holy life. It's not possible. It's not possible. You need the Holy Spirit. It is difficult for us to remain untainted by the world system, by all the things around us, just by ourselves. Just being saying, I am a very disciplined person. It has nothing to do with discipline. People who are more disciplined have fallen. It takes the mercy of God. It takes the Holy Spirit helping you to, before you can stand. Praise the Lord. That's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. You invite the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in your heart because he is our helper and he will help us. So as we cleanse our hearts and make it ready by meditating on the word of God, by praying, you have a consistent prayer life, by worshiping, praising God without ceasing, then our hearts will be ready. Our hearts will be ready as a useful and proper altar for the Lord. It will be ready for that sacrifice that you wish to make. Because if our heart is not right, 
Our sacrifice is worthless before God. Our hearts, if your heart is not right, our sacrifice is worthless before God. And God says in Ezekiel 43, 27, he says, on the eighth day and on each day afterwards, the priest will sacrifice on the altar, the burnt offerings and peace offerings of the people. Then, then he says, then I will accept you. So when the altar has been cleaned and when you bring your sacrifice, God says, that is when I will accept it. If the altar is not ready and you bring the sacrifice, it is useless. It's useless. So why bring it? So this, this is what God says, then I will accept it. He says, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. This is what God is saying. It is not man telling you. God says, when that heart is ready, the sacrifice you bring, he says, I will accept it. He didn't say any other thing. So that is why it's important for our hearts to be pure. What of God says, Proverbs says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. The Lord examines the motive. The motive of why you have brought that sacrifice. God looks on the inside. He looks at the heart. He examines your motive. He tells the intention. Why are you doing what you are doing? Why are you doing what you are doing? Man focuses on the what. Most times, we focus on the what. What did he do? Ah, he bought all the chairs for them in their church. He built a church in their village. And God is looking, why exactly is he building a church for me? Why? So that he can tell the pastor what he should preach and what he should not preach. Maybe that's the motive. God says, that is what I'm looking at. But man says, ah, he bought, oh, that man is so generous. He's so generous. He bought all the, in fact, he built the church in their village and equipped it, furnished it single-handedly. Praise the Lord. You've done well. That is the accolade of man. But you know what we are looking for? We are looking for the approval of God. God says, I don't give my approval until I have examined the motive. It is the motive that tells me you have done right. Praise the Lord. That's why we have to be careful. God is interested in the why. Man focuses on the what. The what is also good. It's also important for God because you cannot bring a wishy-washy offering. However, the most important thing to God is the why. The motive and the intention of what you are doing. Praise the Lord. That's why God is able to say after describing the heart of man. He then says in the following verse, in verse 10 of Jeremiah 7, he says, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. It means that there are motives and there are secret motives. The motive that other people can see and the one that they cannot see, which God can see, which God knows. He says, that is what I am examining. That's what I know. So when the heart is cleansed and pure, then the things that please God can come and dwell in us. Things that please God, like faith. Because the Bible says, it is impossible to please God without faith. You need faith. Because faith is what pleases God. So it is possible for them to now come and say, Lord, yes, because I have that faith. That faith will start to grow in you. That faith will grow strong in you. You know, because for some of us, our faith really needs to grow. We are struggling. We are struggling. Some of us, we are going through challenges. We are going through challenges that is making us struggle. That challenge that you are going through might just be an opportunity from God for your faith to grow. 
You may not see it like that, but really, that's what it is. And that's why James, in James, it, in James, it tells us, in James chapter, um, chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, Dear brothers and sisters, James 1, 2 to 4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You get to the point where you can say, no shaking. Everything is happening around you, you stand that place and say, I know my God, no shaking. So you have to endure that pain. You have to endure it. Pain is inevitable. It will come. It's not if, because it will come. It will come. But what you do with that pain is what's important. The misery that you set yourself is optional. You can decide to stay in the place of moaning and groaning. Why me, Lord? Why me? Why me again? Well, why not you? Why who? Is there someone you want to transfer it to? He says, no. You can stay that place and be moaning, or you can say, you know what? I know my God. Throw out some of those groans in your prayers and just throw in the hallelujahs and just begin to say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I've come to say I love you. I know who you are. I know you do it for me. You are able. There's no shaking. My faith is strong. My faith is strong. That is why we see that some of the gains, the greatest progress that some of us make is made through our greatest pain. Check your life. Check those things that you had to learn, that you learned best. You learned it the hard way. And you can stand up and say, you know what, I am the better for it today. Because you had to pass through that school. God is not interested in you rushing through, half-baked. He wants to take you through a process. You have to go through it. You go from form one to form two. You know I'm old school, form one. They don't use that anymore. You go to form one, form two, form three. You are going higher. Just when you think, ah, this form three is tough. For God says, ah, but form four is there. And form five is there. And you are going to go to and do HSC or advanced level. God wants to take you higher. He loves you too much to leave you. And you remain a pedestrian. No, that is not God. God is a God of improvement, next level, next level, next level, next level. That is how God is. So your faith has to be strong. You have to know your God. Praise the Lord. If you need to clap, clap to the most high God. It's for him, a faithful God, the one we can depend upon. Praise the Lord. When you don't realize how little you know until you have passed through some of those dark places in life. That's why the psalmist can say, it says, unto the upright there arises a light in darkness. When your heart is right, whatever you are going through, no matter how dark that period is, you know the light of God is there. And I'm praying today for anyone going through a tough time, you are going through a dark place, the light of the most high God will arise on your behalf in the name of Jesus. So when you are confident, when your faith is strong, when you know that you have a God that does not fail. When you know that you have a God, you know your faith remains unshakable no matter the extent of that storm. Then you please God. 
that you please God because it says faith is what pleases our God. It is that faith, the faith that God is the almighty God, that he knows what he's doing. That God is the almighty God. That's when you can obey him. Well, that even the instruction, when he's giving you an instruction, you say, ah, ah, well, this instruction looks foolish to me. But because he is God, because he is God, I will obey. It is what makes you, then you look at it, and then you say, this instruction is going to cost me a lot of discomfort. It's going to cost me a lot of inconvenience. It's going contrary to my plans, to the goals for my life, plans for my family. I've planned that by year 2014, we'll move into our house in Lekki. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And God says, leave that your house aside. Focus on my own. Uh-huh. Well, that goes against your plans. But you know what? Because you know the God that you serve. The God for whom nothing is impossible. The God that can do exceedingly abundantly, far beyond even those things which you are planning for your family. You say, Lord, I am going to obey. I'm going to obey. That is faith. And then, of course, it is that faith then that makes you say, Lord, I can bring that my sacrifice. My sacrifice. Because, you see, your sacrifice always completes your faith. It always completes your faith. I can bring that sacrifice of love, the love for humanity, the love for God's creation, the love for lost souls, to say, Lord, I love them enough to leave the comfort of my home and go to the mission field in Kambaya, go and see how they are doing. In spite of the mosquitoes that are there, I want to go and help. I want to do this. It is the love that drives missionaries. It is what makes them to leave. They left America and Britain. They came here. They came to Nigeria. They came to tell us about the love of God. That is it. It is that sacrifice of love. It is the sacrifice of service. It is the faith that brings about the sacrifice of service that says, I want to serve. I want to spend my time and energy. I want to mentor the young ones. I see them. I don't want them to make the mistakes that I made. I want to help them. It is that love. It will cost you. It will cost you your time. It will cost you your energy. It might even cost you your patience. Praise the Lord. But that is love. That is the faith that drives the sacrifice, the sacrifice of service. Praise the Lord. And our Lord Jesus set the example. He said to us, he said, I don't know, some of you come here to be served, but I have come here to serve. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22. You see that when you go through your Bible. Then your sacrifice of praise will be joyful. When they say we have praise chain and you have to come at odd hours, you'll be joyful about it. You are happy. Sacrifice. Praise is a sacrifice. And when it comes from a cleansed heart, it rises as a sweet-smelling offering to God. That is it. And then your giving will be sacrificial. You will not say, let me, let me look at whether I have any surplus left. I will give out of that. You give the one that will pain you, the one that will touch you, the one that will really go down, down deep into your pocket. And then your prayer will become sacrificial. Intercessory prayer. The prayer you put aside your own cares. You put aside your own issues. And begin to pray for that brother, for that sister who is going through a challenge. You begin to pray for the church. You will, your prayer life will not be about me, me, me. My child, my son, my daughter, my, my work, my business. You remember that there's more to it. You look at the bigger picture. Intercessory prayer. Thank God for the prayer team of GFH. They are constant, they are consistent. May the Lord bless them in Jesus' name. That is the kind of prayer that God wants us to. 
that what God wants us to pray. So that is where that sacrifice comes. The sacrifice has come to that altar, that altar that is cleansed and ready. And God says, I, the sovereign Lord, will accept it. Then our sacrifice of service, our sacrifice of love, our sacrifice of praise, our sacrifice of giving, our sacrifice of prayer will then be meaningful, will then be worthwhile, will then be good and acceptable before God. Praise the Lord. In closing, I want us to ask ourselves, how then do we keep our hearts? How do we keep it clean? Because it's very important. You know, we said we're cleaning daily. We clean it daily. We clean it daily. We have to. How do you keep it clean at all, at all times? Especially because the things that we talked about that defile the heart are all around us. Small thing. I mean, getting angry is a very small matter. You can leave your house already praising God, singing, and they're putting a nice CD in your car. You are going to work. Everything is fine. You are singing to the CD tune. And, and then all of a sudden, you just hear, or somebody banging on your car. So, gal, gal, gal. It's a damn for my few in front of you. That is the end of your spirituality. Straight. That's the end. If you say you don't react like that, it is a lie. You do. I do too. It's God that is helping. God can help us. Because you have all the things that will defile your heart, that will defile your heart, are there around you. You go to an office, you want to do your work properly. The guy says, your paper can't go anywhere. You have to go put something down. And you know that a child of God should not give bribe. What do you do? You need that job. How do you respond? These are some of the questions we'll ask ourselves. How then do you keep that heart? How do you keep it clean? God told Moses how to keep the altar, how to keep the altar in a state of readiness for his presence. He said it in Leviticus chapter 6, verses 12 to 13. And I'm going to read this quickly in the interest of time. Leviticus chapter 6, 12 to 13. It said, meanwhile, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must never go out. Each morning, the priest will add fresh wood to the fire and arrange the burning offering on it. He will then burn the fat of the peace offering on it. Verse 13 now says, remember, remember, the fire must be kept burning on the altar at all times. It must never go out. Praise the Lord. What it says is that the altar must be in a perpetual state of readiness. In a perpetual state of readiness for the sacrifice. What about our hearts? It means we have to keep our hearts pure all the time. Our hearts to be cleansed all the time. Must be in that perpetual state of readiness. Because it is our meeting place with God. God will not tell you, okay, um, I'm coming at uh, 5 o'clock on Sunday. Then at 3 o'clock you start scrambling. Cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. No. It says that has to be ready all the time, perpetually. And to help us, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says in Philippians 4, 8. Use some words there that will help us to have our hearts in that perpetual state of readiness. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In the Amplified Version, it says, Whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence, and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, fix your minds on them. Praise the Lord. So it has told us all these things that he has said. If our hearts and our minds are occupied by them, then there will be no vacancy. Then there will be no place for anything to hide in any corner. Because these are the things that are pleasing to God. Pure thoughts, honorable thoughts, filled with kindness, are being gracious, have been kind to people. If are those thoughts, how I can help someone, how I can be gracious to them, if those are the thoughts that occupy our mind, do you think anger will find a place there? It won't find. Malice will not come. Lustful thoughts will be far away. So daily, we need to be read upon this. Read, on, read these words and think about it. What I'm doing now, is it good? Is it kind? Is it gracious? These thoughts I'm having, this is the kind of thoughts that should be in my heart. And use the word of God to push it away. Praise the Lord. These are the things that we need to do. And God will help us. God will help us in Jesus' name. With our hearts bowed, I want us to close our eyes and just take a couple of minutes to examine our hearts. Examine your hearts. You know your heart better than I do. You know it better than the pastor. The pastor doesn't know. He may know a thing about you, but he may not, doesn't know everything. You own your heart. And God has told us that the heart is wicked. Examine it today. Look at the things that are there. As the Holy Spirit said, beam your searchlight into my heart. Look at all the corners, the ones that I know and the ones that I don't know. Please expose them to me. And if you know some of them, this is a good place where you mention them. Because God says, says a, a broken and repentant heart that God will always accept. Repent of those things. Repent of those things. And ask God to create a clean heart in you. And perhaps you are here today, really, you have not even surrendered your life to Christ. You, have, you don't even know this God, not to talk of having the kind of heart. He has described the kind of heart that you have. But his desires to make your heart his meeting place. He wants to know you. He wants to know you. I want you at this time. Say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to accept you, Lord Jesus, as my master and my savior. I want you to raise your hand where you are seated. You don't need to stand up. Just raise that hand. One of the ushers will put a card in your hand. Just raise it up where you are sitting. You don't need to stand up. Raise it up to the Lord. This is a good day. A good day for you. When you ask God, say, Lord, I need that new life in you. I need that new life in you. I need a new heart, Lord. Help me today. You cannot go about with a heart that is desperate. Because the Bible says that heart is mortally sick. The heart is sick. You need that new heart. And you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life so that he can cleanse, his word can cleanse you. Just raise your hand. Don't worry about who is sitting beside you. It is about you and God at this time. Raise that hand. You don't need to come out here. We don't need to call you out. Just put that card. Yes, raise it above your head so the ushers can see you. All they do is put a card in your hand. Put a card in your hand. That's all. I see you. I see you, my sister. God bless you. I see that hand. I see you, sir. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. Say, Lord, clean my heart today. Clean my heart today. I need that new heart, oh God. 
Say, Father, you have asked that you, you said that you take every repentant heart. I've come to use as a repentant heart. Make my heart your altar, Lord. Make my heart your altar. Let my life glorify you, Lord. Let's rise on our feet as we take that short chorus, Change My Heart, O God.